Okay, Rabbi Deitch, we're ready. Thank you, Rabbi Deitch, for taking his time. Ready to begin? Go ahead, Rabbi Deitch. Thank you. Rabbi Deitch, you can hear me? Yes. We'll discuss, we'll discuss but is Hashem, a Shaila Halacha Lamaisa, where the Psak on this Shaila depends on seemingly a Mefurusha Gemara, which we have just learned. And as we'll see, the Gedele HaChreinim take diametrically opposed views in terms of the Psak Halacha and the Shaila. And we'll see how directly from our sugya and from the way the Rishenim understand the sugya emerges these very different uh, psakim in the shaila. To the best of my knowledge, the following shaila was first asked to the Chibili while still in Europe, which was from Tafresh Tzadik Days, 1932, where the Chibili Meshorim was asked the following question. He said that there, is someone who, there was someone who was sick with a highly contagious illness and was hospitalized. And the hospital regulation and the health regulations were at that time that all the possessions of the person would be burnt when they left the hospital in order to prevent any risk of the disease being transmitted. And the question then arose, could he be brought his tefillin? to be able to be Mekayim, the mitzvah of Anachas Tfilin, while he was hospitalized, with the understanding that when he would eventually recover and leave hospital, inevitably his Tfilin would be burnt together with all his, with all his possessions. Now, being burning Tfilin, the Dabr Shebe involves the lav of L'Sasim Kein L'Hashem Alekechem, of destroying the Dabr Shabbat and the Kisya HaKadosh are inside it. And therefore, the Chibina Rav was asked, is there a way to be matter that the tefillin could be brought, knowing fully that at the end of the hospital stay, the tefillin would have to be destroyed. So the Chibina Rav writes that the Hashkafa Rishayna, this seems to be a Gemara Mufureshes. The Gemara on Davkuf Chafam and Beis brings a case of someone who has a shame written on his arm. And the Gemara says, according to the conclusion of the Gemara, that, And even according to the Chachamim, that he has to be Kerech Gemi, and he has to cover it with a band, the Gemara's Maskar conclusion is that that's not because the shame will be erased or dissolved when he enters the water, but the reason is because, as the Gemara says, that it's osalamoid bifnei Hashem arum. And the Gemara proves that because if the band would be tight enough to prevent the water going on the shame and obliterating it, then the band would constitute a chatzitza. Therefore, it must be loose enough to allow water to go between the band and the arm. And therefore, the Gemara says the issue between Rabbi and the Chachamim, if one is required a gemi during Tvila, is a side issue of Asalama Bifne Hashem Arum. But the conclusion of the Gemara is, is that according to all Tanoim, a person is able to be Toivel despite the fact that the water will, er- will erase the name, and Hashem Hashem. And on that the Gemara says 
The basis of that heter is because Shani Hasam the Omar Kravi Ibadatem Eshmominamakamahu Lisasun Kain Lashem Alaikem. The source of the Isr of obliterating Hashem Hashem is from Lisasun Kain Lashem Alaikem, says the Gemara, Asio Hu do Osur. It's only a direct act of erasing the Shem Hashem, which is forbidden, but Groma, if it's indirect, Shari is Mutter. And therefore, says the David of Misharim, the way in which these tefillin will eventually be destroyed will not be by the direct act, the result of the action of the person bringing them. What will happen is he'll bring them, and then someone of the hospital staff will eventually destroy them. Therefore, his bringing them to the hospital, which will cause them eventually to be destroyed, shouldn't be considered more than an indirect act of being moichek the shem Hashem, and the maskana of the Gemara clearly is that mechika al yedei groma is muter. And therefore, says the David Misharim, b'hashkafa rishayna. Initially, the psak on the shaila would be that there seems to be a clear cut halacha based on sugi mufreches that the groma of mechika sashem is muter, and so too the iser of destroying tefillin. Similarly learned from the Pasuk of Loisasim came, says the Gemara, Asiya is Asr, Groma is Shari, and therefore there would be no issue in bringing the Tefillin to the hospital despite the inevitability of them being destroyed. The David Meshuram goes on to say that this in fact is not so, and that there is a Rashba on our Gemara where the Rashba would seem to clearly indicate that there's a fundamental difference between the case the Gemara is discussing of someone going into a mikveh and as a result, a Shem Hashem being washed off his arm, than the case the David Misharim is discussing of someone bringing tefillin to a hospital, which will eventually cause them to be burnt. And he says, he quotes the, the following Rajba. The Rajba asks a basic question on the Gemara, and he says, that we learned a Gemara previously in Masech the Shabbos, on Daf Memzayin Omid Beis, where the Gemara discusses the permissibility of placing a dish, which is filled with water underneath a, a, underneath a nair, which is dripping. And the Gemara says that on Shabbos one may not, and the Gemara has a discussion of even if Erev Shabbos one may not, but when we may not on Shabbos place a dish full of water, and the Gemara says, because that invokes the Isser of Mekarev Eskibuyoi. That as a result of placing the dish underneath the candle, there's a possibility that when the nair sparks and small sparks, which are still aflame, will fall, they will fall in the water and they'll become extinguished. By placing the dish underneath the nair, one is causing the extinguishing of the small sparks which will fall from the small lit droplets which will fall from the nair. And that invokes the iser of Makarev Eskibuyai. So therefore the Rashba on our Gemara asks a very basic question. And he says, by as a result of inserting the arm on which the Shem Hashem is written into the water, 
that should involve the Isser of Mekarev Eskibuyoi. In other words, let's explain the logic of the Rajba's question as it's explained by Rabarach Ber. This Rabarach Ber is brought in a sefer published about, um, about 10 years ago from manuscript from Rabarach Ber's notes on Masech the Shabbos, where he explains the Rajba in the following beautiful way. He says this, There is a Teisvis in Bavakama on Dafnun Vavamadalaf, which says that as much as we're familiar with the concept that when someone sets a fire, even though the fire may have been set in one location, the traveling of the fire further that will eventually cause destruction is considered in the Lashon of the Gemara, the chetz, the arrow of the person who originally set the fire which means even though the person sets the fire and walks away, the subsequent motion of the fire and any destruction caused by the fire are considered to be an extension and just an extrapolation of the original act of setting the fire. That's the concept of Ishoi Mishum Chitzov. Toysus goes on to say that in the same way as if someone sets a fire, the setting of the fire is considered to be setting in motion the subsequent movement of the fire and what the fire will then destroy and consume. The reverse is also true, that if the fire is stationary, but someone causes an object to begin approaching the fire, then Teisvah says there is no difference between Makarev Eish Etzaladovar between setting a fire which will eventually bring it to the object that was destroyed or or burnt, or the fire being stationary and the person causing that the object should begin to approach the fire. Toysavah says there is no difference between Mekarev Hadavar Etzel Eish or Mekarev Eish Etzel Hadavar. The concept of Eish being being one's hates and Eish being an extrapolation of the initial act of setting the fire, analogous to someone who sets an arrow in motion, that even though he then lets go of the arrow, the subsequent traveling of the arrow is all, is all ascribed to the initial force or energy put into the chetz in the first place, so too the subsequent traveling of the fire is all related to the initial setting of the fire, as though he had released an arrow, by setting the fire, an arrow travels and fire travels. So too, Tesla says, when bringing something closer to the fire such that the fire will consume it, is considered as though one has set the object on a trajectory, on a path to enter the fire, and therefore also the subsequent destruction is one's hate, is one's energy, one's kayak. Mali makarev hadovor etzel ha'esh, mali makarev ha'esh etzel hadovor. So therefore, says Baruch Ber, the Rajbo means to ask the following. He says, what we see in that Gemara on Daf Mem Zayin, which the Rajbo draws a parallel to, that if someone places water underneath fire, he is considered a mechabet at the point where the, those droplets of fire will fall into the water. Why is he considered a mechabet? Because by bringing the water closer to the flame, 
he is then considered to have set the water in motion to eventually interact with the flame and extinguish it. He has then been, been mekarev the mayim to the ish. And therefore, all impact or effect that the water will have on the ish is ascribed to be a continuation of his original act of placing the water by the nair. In other words, that Gemara is an illustration of Tesis's principle that one is considered to have activated a chait, one is considered to have released an arrow, not just when one sets a fire and the fire is the agent of hezek, the agent of destruction, that's considered one's chait, but so too if one sets an object on a path that it will impact the fire, in Tesis's case, it will be burnt by the fire, and in the case of the Gemara, water which will extinguish the fire, the placing of that water is considered the chait, it's considered the continuous action of the person having set it. So therefore, the Rajbo says the following. He says, in this case, what we've done, by coming back to our Gemara, by putting an arm which has a shame on it inside the water, one has enabled the water to act upon the shame and eventually erase it. So in the same way as bringing water to fire, one is considered to have set in motion the extinguishing of the fire subsequently. The same way as bringing something into the path of a fire is considered to have, so to speak, thrown it into the fire. So to bring the shame into the path of the water such that the water can subsequently act on the shame and obliterate it, would make it that the subsequent erasing of the shame is also the chait, and the person placing his arm in the water would be considered to have brought the shame into the path of the water, so that subsequently when the, sh- where the water erases the shame, it will again be considered his act. So therefore, says the Rajbar, I have a basic question on the premise of the Gemara. Why does the Gemara call placing an arm with a shame written on it into water that it, that would be considered a grama, seemingly because I haven't directly obliterated the shame but allowed the water to act on the shame, and that seemingly is the rationale of the Gemara to call it a grama, an indirect act. Says the Rajba, the Gemara of Mikarev Kibuyoi would indicate that even though the person merely places the water in the path of the fire, but the subsequent impact that the water has on the fire is considered an act of the person placing the water. Therefore, so too, the subsequent act of the water acting on the shame should be considered directly a consequence of the person placing his arm in the water of the, in the first place, and therefore that too should be considered, so to speak, mekarev the mechika. And therefore it should not be considered a grama, but should be considered a chetz. In the same way as placing something in the path of a fire and the fire will subsequently act on it, that's a chetz. In the same way as placing water in the path of the fire so that the water will subsequently act on the flame, is considered to be an act of kibui, so to placing the shame in the path of the water shouldn't qualify as gromo, but again should qualify as a chetz. That's the question which the Rajbah 
which the Rajbo asks. The Rajbo then gives an answer, and the Rajbo says that there's a fundamental difference between placing water in the path of flame and placing one's arm with a shame written on it in water. And he said, this is the, these are the words of the Rajbo, and the language of the Rajbo is really all important here and will lead to a broad nafkimin al-halacha. He says the following. He says, in the case of placing water in the path of a flame, in that case, it's inevitable that when the, those droplets of flame in the, in the Gemara and Daphne Zayin fall into the water, inevitably they'll become extinguished. But says the Rajbah, here it's possible that when the arm is inserted into water, the Shem Hashem will not be erased. And the Rajbah says, I'll prove it. Because if it's inevitable that by placing the hand in water, the shame will be erased, then that will be considered what the Gemara describes in Dafkuf Chafon Beis as Meshafshef, which means it's certainly Osir, while the hand is in water, to rub the water over the shame, which will cause it to become erased. And therefore, says the Rajbah, the reason why our Gemara allows placing the arm with the shame into water is because kan efshet de lo Here there's a possibility that the Shem Hashem will not be erased. And therefore, it's fundamentally different from a Karev Kibui because in the case of the Gemara and Daphne Zayin, inevitably when the flame enters the dish with the water in it, the flame will be extinguished. Therefore, returning now to the Dev of Misharim. The Dev of Misharim, again, was discussing the question of bringing tefillin to someone who has a contagious illness where when he leaves hospital, in the case where he leaves hospital, the tefillin will be burnt. Said the David Misharim, Bahashkofa Rishayna, since there isn't a direct link between bringing the tefillin and the subsequent burning, it would be considered a groma. And groma says the Gemara is mutter in the case of the lav of Lysasim. Groma is mutter. Says the, says the David Misharim, but now that we've learned this Rajba, the Rajba changes our entire understanding of the Gemara. And the Rajba has qualified the Gemara by saying that the Gemara only allows the heter, the permissibility of groma of Mechikas Hashem, in a case where the Mechikas Hashem is not inevitable. Because were it to be inevitable, says the Rajba, that would be analogous to beginning a process which will eventually lead to Mechika, which is Osir, in the same way as it's Osir, to place a dish of water under a nair, which will begin a process which when the fire will fall into the dish with the, the Mayim, there will be Kibui, and that's considered one's Chetz. Therefore, says the Mbayv of Misharim, we've learned from the Rajba that the only case in which the Groma of Mechika Sashem could ever be permitted is in a case where the mechika is not inevitable. But where the mechika is inevitable, that doesn't qualify for grama. And since it won't qualify for grama, it remains osser as a chetz. 
This is the Chiddush of the Rajba, which the Dovev Mesharim extracts from the, his reading of the Rajba, and therefore he completely reverses his position on the permissibility of bringing tefillin, which will eventually be burnt. And he says, since here the rule is that the tefillin will be burnt, we assume it's inevitable that the hospital and the doctors will follow procedure and they'll be burnt. Therefore, it's considered to be analogous to the dish of water under the nair, where the, the, the ish will be vade cover, and therefore it doesn't qualify for a case of groma. In a subsequent tshuva, this is a David Misharim in Chilak Aleph and Simon Sadik Tes, in a subsequent tshuva in Simon Kufyu Dalad, parenthetically, the David Misharim returns to this discussion, and he says that, in fact, the issue of groma in Mechika Sashem is discussed by an earlier authority, not in the case of burning tefillin as a result of a contagious illness, but a fascinating case discussed by the Chuba's Ponemi Iris that the Bishri Chuba brings, and that is that there was an old disused shul, which, based on the original conditions of the construction of the shul, was then being used in order as a smokehouse. It was being used to be able to smoke hides. And the discussion that the David Misharim and that the Panamiris enters into is that the case was, the particular circumstances were such that various psukim, including the Shem Hashem, had been written as decoration on the walls of the shul. And as a result of the smoking in the shul, the smoke eventually would cover, the soot from, coming from the smoke would eventually cover the Shemois that were written on the on the wall. Well, one discussion the Panamiris enters into if that's considered Mechikat or and this is, which is an important shayla actually in Hilcha Shabbos, which we'll have a chance to learn in a later sugya in the Masech Tabez Hashem. But another issue the Panamiris says is that even if we will consider it grom, we consider it Mechika, it's a grom. By the person carrying out the activity of burning, of, of, of uh, smoking, what he's doing is he's stoking the fire and generating smoke, but then the smoke itself billows further and covers the wall. That's a groma. And therefore, the Pischei quotes upon Amiris as being matir that mechika sashem begroma, again, as a result of our Gemara. And on that, the David Misharim, Lishitasai, consistent with his position, says that since by carrying out the activity of generating smoke in the shul, Inevitably, there will be a mechika, if we assume the covering with soot is, is, is analogous to mechika, is considered mechika. Therefore, based on the Rajba, since it's EFSHA that there will not be a mechika, that doesn't fall under the heter of our Gemara of Gram of Mechika Sashem, and therefore remains awesome. This is the psak of, this is the psak of the Dev of Mishai. Now, what's very difficult to understand in the way that the David Misharim presents the Rajba, is that based on this understanding of the Rajba, that the permissibility of Mechikas Hashem is because in the case of Mechikas Hashem, it's not inevitable that it will be erased. Whereas placing the dish under the, under the flame will lead inevitably to Kiwi. So we then are confronted with a very basic question in our Gemara. The Gemara says that the reason why the Mechika is mutter is because it's considered a grama. 
And the Gemara requires Exeris HaKosov to allow that. So the Beis Ephraim asks, if we understand the Rajba, similar to the David Misharim, that the heter of the Gemara is because it's not inevitable that the Mechika will take place, so why do we need Exeris HaKosov to permit Grama? The Gemara could simply say that since it's a Suffolk, whether or not the Mechika will occur, and the person inserting his arm certainly doesn't intend to accomplish Mechika, this would seem to be a classic illustration of Dovr She'en And as long as a Dovr She'en is not a Psikresha, then we pass in Dovr She'en is Mutter. Therefore, why would the Gemara need to resort to Xeris HaKosuv to permit Mechika? Granted, we can say that when the Gemara uses the term Gromo, the Gemara means it not literally, and the Gemara means it, it's only considered to be a possibility of Mechika. But why would we need Xeris HaKosuv? It should be Dovr She'en And we could add that even it's, if it's considered a possibly a even if we'll argue that different to the seeming presentation of the Rajba, it's an issue of Sikresha the Lanichale. Certainly doesn't intend it. So therefore the Beis Ephraim asks, how do we begin to understand how the Rajba is consistent with the Gemara? The Rajba is presenting a case where the whole Mechika is Besafik. And that should be Mutter as Dabashemi And why does the Gemara call that Exerasakosov of Grom? Also, will recall that the Gemara enters into the whole discussion and only quotes the case of Mechika Sashem in order to draw a parallel between the Machloikas of Gram Kibui, of placing Kalim in the path of the flame, or pouring water on the edge of a talus that's burning, and comparing that to the Grama of Mechika Sashem. And the Gemara then asks a contradiction between the positions of various Tanoim in the Grama of Kibui, and the positions of various Tanoim in the Groma of Mechika Sashem. So the Beis Ephraim says that according to the Rajba, the two sugyas are not analogous at all. There's no, there, there's no comparison between the two. In the case of Mechika Sashem, the reason why Mechika Sashem is mutter is because it's a sophic. Whereas in the case of placing a kli in the path of the fire, Inevitably, when the fire reaches the kli and the kli splits and bursts and the water comes out, it's inevitable that the fire should, should then be extinguished. So the fact that the tanoim permit mechika sashem is because that's not inevitable. Whereas in the case of the grama of kibui eish, the reason why there'll be tanoim who say it's osir is because that's inevitable. We can't compare the two gramas at all. And therefore, the Beis Ephraim says that the position, the Rajma's explanation of the Gemara is difficult to understand, and therefore the Halacha, and the Beis Ephraim is discussing a different question, but the Halacha, the Beis Ephraim says, that therefore we can suggest a different answer to the Rajma's question, as to what the difference between placing a dish under the fire and placing, a, and, and, and placing one's arm in water is, which will lead to a different conclusion. But what we'll now go on to to quote, is a different pshat in the Rajwa, which will resolve the base of Ephraim's difficulty, and we'll see that that will create a very broad nafkimina in the question of the David Misharim. 
And this answer, this explanation in the Rajva is based on a tshuva in Achiezer. And Reb Chaim Oizer, the tshuva is not from Reb Chaim Oizer himself, it's from his father-in-law, Reb Eli Eliezer. But in Achiezer, it, he, says, he says the following. He says a very simple pshat in the Rajva. And he says this. The Rajva is discussing two issues here. He's discussing what happens when the arm is in, inserted into water, what happens immediately afterwards, and what happens as time goes on. And he says the Rajbah means the following. He says when we, the Rajbah says it's only a sophic if it will become obliterated, what he means to say is, is that the moment that the hand is inserted into the water, at that point it's not inevitable that the result of the thrust of the hand into water, that the, that the water will obliterate the arm. Any obliteration that will occur on the shame written in the arm will only occur subsequently after the arm is inserted into water. And that the Rajbo is saying is a grammar. In other words, what the Rajbo is saying is the following. When the dish is placed underneath the, underneath the nair, was describing a case where the nair is constantly shedding droplets of flame. And therefore, essentially, as soon as the dish is placed, an act of kibui will take place. And therefore, in that case, we directly relate the kibui to the placing of the dish. Whereas, says the Achiezer, the Rajbo is saying that all subsequent mechiko happens because the water will affect the shame, but that doesn't happen immediately. And therefore, since it doesn't happen immediately, we can't ascribe the placing of the, di- the, the placing of the arm in water as a di- something which leads directly to the subsequent mechika. So therefore, says the Achiezer, the Rajma reads beautifully. He's saying the following. He's saying, Kan doesn't mean that eventually the mechika may, may never take place. It certainly will take place but it won't take place immediately when the hand is put into the water. And therefore, says the Achiezer, all subsequent mechika is merely a grom. So therefore, what the Achiezer has accomplished is that he's now returned the Rajva to the simple reading of the Gemara. That the eventual mechika is a grom. Whereas, in the case of placing the dish underneath the flame, we're assuming that very presently, a drop will fall and will be moichek. And therefore, that's considered makar of kibuye. The parallel which our Gemara then draws between placing an arm into water and placing a keli in the path of the fire, says the Achiezer, is very simple. Since there is a barrier that has to be burnt away or split before the water pours out of the keli, Again, we don't consider placing the keli as having inevitably caused the keli to split because the two things have to occur. The keli has to split and only subsequently the water will come out. That's analogous to placing an arm in water where initially there will be no effect on the shame and only later as a result of the water spreading over or the water constantly lapping against the arm will eventually be moichek. That's considered distinct and a secondary effect from placing it in the Mayim. And therefore, says the Rajvot, that will be grammar. 
Therefore, according to the reading of the Achiezer of the Rashba, we then can permit bringing the tefillin because since the immediate consequence of bringing the tefillin is not sreifa, is not being burned, and only later a new event will have to occur of someone taking the tefillin and burning them, that will be considered to the equivalent to the new event of the water obliterating the shame, the new event of the fire splitting the keli and only subsequently the water coming out, and therefore, according to the reading of the Achiezer and the Rajba, we can permit the we can permit the bringing of the tefillin into into the hospital. La halacha, Ramosha Feinstein in Igris Moshe and Chelak Alef Simandala discusses this question, and in subsequent shuvas discusses. Interestingly, the Rajba doesn't enter the discussion of Ramosha but he discusses whether or not bringing the tefillin would be considered groma or an act of destroying them biyodayim. But there is one very important issue, a very basic issue, which Moshe raises, which is of particular significance because of the sugya that we're learning now. And that is that Moshe says the following. He says, how is it possible that it would be muttered to bring tefillin and cause them to be burnt? Don't we see that there is a chiyuv to be matzil kisvei akodesh? So shouldn't it then follow that in a case where kisvei akodesh, through no fault and no act of our own at all, where they're in the path of the fire, one is mechuyuv to be matzil, which is not just a groma that by leading them there, the fire will come to burn it, but we're not even responsible for the kisvei akodesh being there. We certainly didn't set the fire, or place the Kisvei HaKadosh there once the fire was burning, and yet there's a Chiyav to be Matzil, shouldn't it then follow that creating a situation of Groma deliberately is awesome? Now what's not so clear in that Shuvah of Ramosha is then, so how do we understand our Gemara, that Mechikas Hashem is Mutter? And here we can suggest the following logic, and well, this will conclude the Halacha part of the of this limud, and that is that our Gemara is discussing an individual shame, whereas the chiyuv to be matzel applies to a sefer. A sefer is fundamentally different in its gedusha to a shame. A shame can be destroyed alidei grama and doesn't have a chiyuv atzala, whereas full kisve hakodesh do. And therefore, Moshe is saying, Tfilin, which are not a single shame, but would have the equivalent to Kisve HaKodesh, certainly there the Chi of Hatzalah would require them to be saved, and certainly never to be put in a situation of Gromah, whereas our Gemara applies to a single shame. And therefore, we can say the following. Despite the fact that we've brought the Rajbah back to a straightforward reading, perhaps different to the David Misharim, based on Achiezer. And therefore, Groma of Mechikas Hashem is Mutter. Says Ramosha, it doesn't necessarily follow that therefore one can be Goyre Mechik of Tfilin. Because Tfilin have a Chiyav Salah, and therefore, certainly it would be also to be, to be Goyre, Sreifa. Our Gemara, we can narrow that discussion just to a single shame. And therefore, one can't compare the two. Therefore, the halacha Ramosha concludes that therefore it would be oser awesome 
to bring the tefillin in a case where they would inevitably be burnt. Just to conclude with brief divrei Torah on this week, this week's parasha, we, there is a minhag that is ascribed to the gra that the common minhag is to say at the time of Hagba that and then to conclude with Alpi Hashem Biyad Moshe. And the Gra asks a question that's actually already touched on by the Mogan Avram, that Alpi Hashem Biyad Moshe is not a full Pasuk. And the Gemara says that we don't say partial Psukim. Perhaps we'll be familiar from earlier Sugya, so the discussion of the Chasim Sefer, how we say before Kiddush, Yom Hashishi Vayichu. Yom Hashishi is the end of the Pasuk of Vayi'era Vayivoyker. Some therefore have the custom to add Vayi'era Vayivoyker and then say Yom Hashishi. So therefore the Gra says that the Minuk should be Al Pi Hashem Yachnu Val Pi Hashem Yisou Es Mishmeres Hashem Shomoru Al Pi Hashem Biyad Moshe. So therefore, the minig therefore is, according to the Gra, to fully say the Pasuk of Al Pi Hashem Yachnu Al Pi Hashem And the Gra explains beautifully that the basis of the minig is from the sequence of Psukim in this week's parasha. We begin the Psich of the Oran, Vayihib in Sayah HaOran. We end when we put it, the, the Sefer back into the Oran, we say, Uvenucha Yoimar. And the middle, indicating the Masois, the traveling of Klal Yisrael, is at the time of Hagba, al pi Hashem yachnu, al pi Hashem yishou, es mishmeras Hashem shomoru, al pi Hashem biyad meisha. So just to briefly explain what the significance is of these psukim, why at the time of Kriya Satayra do we invoke the traveling of the Arayin, the resting of the Arayin, and the Masois in between? So obviously, opening the Sefer Torah is by Yivu Nsayah HaArayin. Returning to the Arayin is the analogous to the Arayin resting. But we see from the Gra that our Piyashem Yachnu, our Piyashem Yisol, is that the entire sequence of Psukim is somehow to connect the way Klal Yisrael traveled in the Midbar to our learning of Torah. And the explanation, just to mention it briefly, is in the Chasim Sefer in this week's parasha, not in the Sefer Teres Moshe, but in the Chasim Sefer published from manuscript. And the Chasim Sefer says the following. He says, Ulezek siv Hashem shamaru. Klal Yisrael looking towards the path of the Onan is a concept of bitachon. Klal Yisrael understanding that everything that guides their lives is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's direction. And therefore it says that how is it that Klal Yisrael discerns and becomes aware and, in, and informed of the guidance that the Rabbi Shalom gives them and what the wish of the Rabbeinu Shalom is and how they should act and travel, so to speak. Says the Chasam Soifer, the way Klal Yisrael is shoimer umetzapo miyachal es Hashem, he says, Zahoya al pitoirosoi biyad moishem neviyam beiskom bezeh. They will became aware of what their path should be and where they should go through their involvement and their learning of Torah itself. And therefore, says the Chasam Soifer, that's what it means, Al Pi Hashem Biyad Moshe. They traveled through what the Rabbi Nishlalim placed in the hands of Moshe, namely the Torah. So perhaps with this Chasim Sefer, we then appreciate 
why when taking the Sefer Torah out of the Oran and placing it in the Oran, we then, between those two, we say, after the Kriya, we've just read Torah, we've just learned Torah. We want then to be able to derive from the Torah the direction that the Rebbein Shalom wants us to go. And therefore we then add to that, as Mishmeres Hashem Shomoru, Al Pi Hashem Biyad Moshe.